This is 680 CJOB. Hi. Welcome to the Sports Show Podcast with Christian O'Mell. That's me. Today, Bob Irving, back from Edmonton. What did he think of the Grey Cup? What does he think of Patrick Laine? Also, a chat with the winner of a local soccer scholarship. He is very polished. You want to hear that. And the Week 12 NFL Recap. It's fun. It's the sports show. Let's listen. Bob Irving, you made it back from Edmonton. Made it back from Edmonton, back from Alberta. I'd been there nine yeah. days because I drove from Calgary to Edmonton after the West Final. So I'm glad to be back in the friendly province. Yes. And <laughs> last night's game... Calgary finally, I guess, gets the monkey off the back after the last couple of years. Yeah, I did a comment this morning, Christian. I said, now they don't have to explain why they lost again. They don't have to spend the entire winter saying, here's what went wrong. Here's how we managed to lose three great cups in a row, despite what a terrific team we have. So they eliminated that, which was their number one goal. Dave Dickinson said today, he said, man, I'm relieved. Yeah. I wanted this one badly. Yeah. He said, you know, how are we going to live with this if we lost three great cups in a row? And they, so they were highly motivated. And it's funny throughout the entire game, I felt that even though it was close for a lot of the game, I just had the feeling that Calgary was in control. And I think they were time of possession and all the rest of it. And then they got the kick return touchdown right at the end of the second quarter. And the Dagger. Red, yeah, the Red Blacks are being criticized for kicking the ball straight down the middle of the field instead of angling and getting it. Get it out of bounds. Don't give Terry Williams, who had three kick returns during the season for touchdowns, don't give him a chance. With only 20 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, it was a very questionable move by the Red Blacks, and then, boy, did it ever cost them. And that sort of broke the game open, although Ottawa, Ottawa hang around or hung around rather in the second half. But again, you, you always had the sense that Calgary had it under control. Not a classic game, no. by any means. We've no. had we've had a pretty good run of great, great cups, and eventually yep. that comes to an end. You know, only eleven points scored in the second half yesterday. Yep. How much of that was the field? Well, some of it was the field for sure. Uh, the players started. We started hearing rumbles on Saturday. They got on the uh, the turf at Commonwealth Stadium on Friday to practice, and ended their walk through Saturday. And that's the first exposure they had to the field. And uh, there were concerns then raised at that point from both teams that uh, the field was hard. It's artificial turf. It used to be grass, but it's artificial turf in Edmonton, has been for a few years. Every field in Canada now yeah, is turf? Yeah, every field, yeah. Very hard. And then it's some weird weather in Edmonton where it got kind of warm and, you know, there was some moisture and snow on the field and it froze overnight and it created some icy patches and I don't know Christian what they could have done about it somebody said well why didn't they tarp it I don't even know if they have a tarp anymore because you don't tarp artificial no. turf typically so yeah it did create some issues though there was uh, slipping and sliding not on every play but you see you saw it often enough that it uh, I won't say it ruined the game I think that's a little strong but it certainly impacted the game but it's conditions that both teams have to deal with well sure yeah uh, what it does is it it creates sort of a, an element of chance that that isn't there. Right. Uh, on uh, Williams' kick return for a touchdown, one of the guys coming down covering him just kind of yeah, blew lost a tire. His, he blew a tire. Well, and I feel like Adino's touchdown, by. though, at the same time. That yeah. probably wouldn't have been a touchdown on a regular day. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see Julian Fiore yeah. did Gidino get that. I interviewed him during the week, and he's such a neat guy. Played here for five years, and... Uh, and it was uh, nice to see him get that touchdown. But, yeah, the field was an issue. But, again, I don't think it impacted the outcome of the game. Calgary is a better team. They're the better team all year long. 
Uh, and they proved it yesterday. Viewership, uh, from what I've seen, is well down. Is it? For the Great Cup. I haven't seen that Close yet. to a million in English-speaking Canada. Okay. Uh, you Obviously, you've spent a lot of times at Great Cups over the years. Mm-hmm. What was this Great Cup week like in Edmonton? What was the experience? It was great. The festival was fantastic. As good as it gets, Christian. Uh, and the game didn't quite live up to how good the festival was. Yeah. And there's never any guarantee it's about awesome, that. Right? Yeah. You can guarantee a good festival. And yes. Edmonton did a great job. And they, this is the fifth time they've hosted the game now. And they always do a good job. Uh, They closed off a a big part of the downtown. They had all sorts of activities for the family. They had a big parade on Saturday. It was just a home run in every respect. And they had a sellout crowd. You know, everything was was a resounding success. They'll make a bunch of money off it. And so will all the teams in the league. They split the revenue now a a little better than they used to. And so, no, it was a great week. Edmonton. You never have to worry about Edmonton. Calgary will be the same next year. They'll do Mm -hmm. an awesome job in Calgary of hosting the game. So now what for you? Well, I'm doing this show with you right now. (laughs) The Bombers are having an availability with general manager Kyle Walters on Friday. I'll cover that, Christian, and uh, I'll send you some material from Kyle Walters for your show on that. And then I'm pretty well done until Kelly's got me slotted in. Kelly Moore's got me slotted in to do some morning sports runs. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Over the Christmas period, which I have happily volunteered to do. But generally, uh, I'm gone for most of the winter. Um, And I'll appear periodically if you ever need me on to talk about anything. Yeah, I'll be happy to join you. Let's say there's a big signing. Yeah. Well, there's going to be some signings. It's going to be an intriguing winter in the CFL with all these free agents. And February 15th is the free agent date. But the Bombers are going to try to get some of their players re-signed before then. It's a real challenge, though, with the CBA up in the air. The players are reluctant to sign. It's not that the Bombers don't want to sign them, but the players are saying, oh, wait a minute, let's see what the CBA... The players somehow feel that the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, the salary cap is going to go up significantly. It's not going to, Christian. I'm told it's not. Okay. And the players are deluding themselves into thinking that. There's just not the money being made by the teams to to allow that to occur. So the the agents who are saying to their players, hold on, let's see, you, you know, I, I don't think uh, they're going to get the windfall that they're hoping for. So Kyle Walters will be busy trying to re-sign some guys. Adam Big Hill right at the top of the list, and we'll see if he has any success. That's the top of the list with big, bold letters, all yeah. caps, right? <laughs> that, a lot of that will come down to whether or not uh, Ed Hervey and the BC Lions attempt to bring him back to right. BC where he has a Because it was kind a of a, a last-minute thing to get Big Hill here last year, right? Yeah. Well, kind of just fell into their lap to sure. some degree. Well, he decided he wasn't. He had an offer from Tampa Bay in the NFL to go to their camp, but he decided he didn't want to do that. He wanted to come back up here. The Lions had already invested a lot of money in players, and they couldn't afford to pay him what the Bombers could afford to pay him. Uh, now we'll see. Adam's got a home in B.C. His wife's from B.C., so there's a lure there. But if the Lions aren't prepared to pony up the way the Bombers are, then I think there's a very good chance he'll be back here. The Bombers won't be outbid. They will not be outbid okay. for his services. It's a matter of his desire. Yeah. If he leaves, it'll be because of other reasons. But the, the money, they're not going to lose a bidding war for this guy. They're going to go, <laughs> unless somebody goes stupid. But, and right. nobody will, I don't think. Well, the Bombers might. Uh, to keep him. We say Big Hill, before I let you go, what are the other couple other names that you think got to be high, high priorities for the Bombers to resign? Boy, there's a long list of them. Javan Santos-Knox, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, those are top players on defense. Uh, Taylor Loeffler, the safety, is a free agent. 
I think you'd like to bring Kevin Fogg back and who the fans say. So the defense, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, I think eight of the nine, eight or nine of the starters on defense are free agents, and and then the in the offensive line, Matthias Gosen and Suk Chung are free agents. Those are guys you'd like to have back, and then they have to decide: are they going to bring Weston Dressler back for another year? And I think they would if the price was you know reduced enough because uh, you know Dressler has shown that he he can't stay healthy for the whole season. So yeah, they've got some interesting. Uh, Interesting decisions and some difficult ones uh, to make during the next few months. What do you think of Patrick Laine? Well, it's funny. I watched that game. It was on TV in uh, Edmonton, and it was it was almost surreal. You know, he's just popping him in left, right, and center. It looked too easy. <laughs> it really did, and he can make it look that way. And it's funny. You know, when he got off to kind of a slow start for him, Christian. For him. You know, people just start navel-gazing. Oh, what's wrong with Laine? Well, he is a natural goal scorer, gifted in a way that very few players are. He will always score goals. Now, he may go through periods where, he, you know, he struggles. But anybody who worries that, oh, maybe he's not as good. He is as good as we think he is yes. or better. He's going to be a 50-goal guy. Uh, I did a tweet from Edmonton, and I said, I'd love to be his agent for his next contract because I'll fill my garage with BMWs and Audis off the off my commission because he's going to get huge money. Oh, and you know what? He's such a great kid. He's so humble and, and team-oriented. Man, oh, man, did the Jets luck out when they won that draft lottery <laughs> oh, yeah. and got to pick him. Really. <laughs> they, they moved way up to get him. Oh, and forever should they be thankful about that. Absolutely. Bob Irving, thank you very much for dropping in. Okay, Christian, I'll talk to you during the winter. The annual scholarships for the Winnipeg Youth Soccer Association, a male and a female, receive this $1,500 scholarship if they're in their first year of university. The woman's winner was Mercedes Sousa, an honorable student finishing her final year of high school at the top of her class with an average of 94 at Transcona Collegiate. Been playing soccer for 13 years at both the community and club level with Park City West and the Winnipeg Phoenix Football Club has also volunteered with many different organizations. Now in her first year at the U of M, she's focused on earning her Bachelor of Nursing. She's using this path because she wants to do something where she is helping people every day, making a difference in their lives. Unfortunately, she was busy tonight, couldn't have a chance to talk to her. But the male winner, Sakchar Dillon, an honor roll student, finished his final year of high school with an average of 95% at St. John's Ravens Court. Now at the University of Toronto, studying commerce, and that's where he joins me from now. Also goes by Souk. And what is life like? in Toronto compared to Winnipeg? It's different for sure. Uh, it's a bigger city. Life is a lot more fast-paced. And it's definitely different going to university than being in high school. So I've uh, gone through a lot of changes. I'm learning a lot every day. But I've really enjoyed my time here so far, uh, especially as someone learning business and commerce. This is kind of the best place I could be. Did you spend your entire life in Winnipeg and then before moving to Toronto? Yeah, I was born and raised in Winnipeg. Um, my sister did live in Toronto for a couple of years. She actually moved away the same time I came here. Um, but otherwise, Toronto's a new place for me. It just seems like if I wanted to pursue a, an education in business, this city was the best place for me to get the most opportunity and the most uh, potential to grow. What is the, I guess, the biggest adjustment in your day-to-day life being in a, a city of that size? I think the magnitude of things is just something that's so much bigger than Winnipeg in every way. I, you know, growing up in Winnipeg, it's a pretty small town. 
Um, you sort of know everybody around you. You know where everything is. You're very comfortable with what to do, who's who, and uh, just the normal day-to-day things of your life. So for me, it's the most challenging thing I'd say would would be has been just trying to find my day-to-day norms and adapt to what I'm used to from home and, and get used to living on my own and uh, doing everything on my own. And whether that's in Toronto or any other city, when you're, you've been in one place your whole life and now you're on your own no matter where it is, there is certainly an adjustment period. We've all been through it. And for you, have you been able to play soccer, find a place to play in Toronto? Yeah, so I definitely love playing soccer. And speaking with other people who have come to Toronto or moved to other cities, I think one of the most important things to do is keep yourself grounded. And even if you're facing a high workload and really busy all the time, it's important to make sure that, you know, to some extent you're taking care of yourself and your mental health is staying strong despite the stress. So for me, soccer has always been an outlet uh, to make sure that I'm happy, make sure I'm doing something that I'm enjoying. So it was really important that when I got here, I tried out for their premier team. Um, It's just a tier below the varsity team. Um, So it's kind of like the highest level intramurals that you could play. So I've been playing with them so far. It's been pretty good. I think in the coming years, I'll probably try out for the varsity team. Um, And I'm definitely looking forward to coming back to Winnipeg in the summer and playing premier there as well. What got you into soccer in the first place? Was it a thing that ran in the family? To some extent, I'd say so. Uh, my parents were never like super into soccer, but my brother definitely was. He's five years older than me. And growing up, uh, you know, it's just kind of the thing that you do with your big brother. He really liked soccer, and I was the perfect test dummy for him to try new skill moves on or boost his own ego and make him feel like he's the best player, right? So every day when we were little kids, we would play. Um, and going from there, I ended up joining my first club team when I was four years old. And I just fell in love with the sport. It became a way of life for me. Um, I started to learn a lot of skills and uh, take a lot from soccer in terms of the way I work in everyday life, uh, with how I interact with other people, and you know, just being able to set goals for myself and continuously try to improve. So how far did you reach in your youth soccer career in Winnipeg and Manitoba? In youth soccer, I played at the premier level. So the highest level you could be at before playing on the provincial team. I would have loved to play provincials. It's just because I was always so busy with so many other things. uh, It it was hard for me to give up the entire summer to play provincials. Um, But with my premier team, FC Northwest, we definitely traveled a lot. We competed at the club nationals, um, and afterwards, I started playing premier men's soccer, training with my brother's team, and uh, yeah, that's that's sort of what I did during my youth soccer, but I'm definitely trying to keep that up, and we'll stay involved with the sport throughout the years to come, I'm sure. And you've been recently named as a winner of a scholarship from the Winnipeg Youth Soccer Association. How does it feel to receive that honor? It's exactly that, Christian. It's an honor for sure. Soccer is a very important part of my life. Uh, Every day, it's hard not to see me 
playing with a ball or watching highlights. Uh, and Wiza just made a big impact on my life for sure. Growing up, I think soccer and the sport of soccer with the teams that I've been on and the coaches that I've had, it's just been fundamental to me. And so after all these years to get the scholarship, it means a lot. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily the best soccer player. I don't think I'm going to be the best soccer player, but it means a lot to know that the program has been behind me for so many years and I've just gotten so much from it that I, I can't be more than thankful. The scholarship, it's based on not just academic excellence, and you had a 95 average at St. John's Raven Court, but you also have soccer involvement and volunteer and community involvement. So this is something that you've already been working on giving back to the community? Yeah, in various ways. I try to link things to soccer whenever I can. So, uh, for example, when I was chair of my school's youth and philanthropy committee, I set up a FIFA sports video game tournament and partially it was for me to give back to the community, buy soccer equipment to give to inner city youth programs. Uh, But also it's just because I loved soccer so much. I thought it was a great idea. And so I try to merge those two passions as much as I can. But currently uh, now that I'm at university, I try to stay involved in every way that I can still. I'm involved with things like the Youth Parliament of Manitoba. Uh, I was part of the Royal Canadian Air Cadets for a long time. And just in many other ways, I'm joining clubs here and uh, trying to stay as active as I can with the community. Outside of soccer, what do you want to do when, I don't want to say when you grow up because you're already, you know, you're in university, but what is your career goal, I suppose? You know, for me, that's a hard question. Uh, people ask me all the time and it's, it's hard to give them a definite answer. I think I know generally what I'm passionate about, but I'm okay with taking different turns along the way. I'm really interested in diplomacy and international relations. I think, again, if I can help my community in any way possible, that's something I definitely want to do in the future. And so right now I'm starting out in commerce, and I think having a good understanding of finance and business will help me if I go into law or international relations in the future so that I can connect my understandings in different areas to make sure that I can make the best impact as possible for the community. Three games on Thursday in the NFL for Thanksgiving. So it's understandable that yesterday's NFL slate was not the most spectacular and it showed. So let's get to the week 12 NFL recap. Starting with the New England Patriots. Were they tested against the Jets in New York? (laughs) No. Did Brady look old? Sure. Did the Jets look bad? Yes. Speaking of bad, the Bengals are toast. They fell behind big early against the Browns, and then they lost their quarterback for the season. The moment of the day, Browns with the interception. Player runs to the Bengals sideline, where former Browns coach Hugh Jackson is now an assistant. Player hands Hugh the ball. Hugh pats him on the head. Uh, The good old days of not winning in Cleveland. Winning? What's that like? Asked the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were losing in Buffalo after their running back got kicked out of the game for fighting an opponent. They also led the two fighters off the field down the same hallway, and they almost fought again. That's not helping! Jags QB Blake Bortles so bad they're benching him for a guy who's never won an NFL start. The Jags are in a bad place. Here's a great game. Tampa Bay slug San Francisco. All right. 
Arizona Cardinals trying to pull off the upset. Up 10-0 early on the playoff out Chargers, and it's 45-10 LA. As Phillip Rivers sets the league record for most consecutive completions in the game. Almost had him, Cards. Almost. Eagles need to win to have any hope of making the playoffs. And here they are at home losing big to the Giants. But it's the Giants. They suck. They blow it. Eagles get the winning kick with a handful of seconds left. Philly not dead yet, but Eli Manning, yeah. Bye. Huge game in Carolina. Seattle and the Panthers could be the two wildcard teams in the NFC. Panthers have a seven-point lead late, but the Seahawks tie it. They get the ball back, and Russell Wilson, a magician, leads the Hawks a victory. Three straight losses for the Panthers, and the many who wrote Seattle off before the season are looking real dumb right now. Colts, one of the hottest teams in the league. So why are they down by 10 at home to Miami? Both teams are 5-5, five and five, but still Miami? But here comes Andrew Luck. Brings them back. It's a tie game, and then he sets up the winning field goal for 73-year-old Adam Vinatieri. Colts. They're almost in the playoffs, but the sixth spot right now belongs to Baltimore. Romped over an awful Raiders team. That's all you need to know. Denver hosting Pittsburgh. Steelers dominate. But they shoot themselves in the face time after time. And yet here they are, three yards from the end zone in a tie game. Big Ben drops back, throws over the mess, picked off by a lineman. Big Ben. What a terrible throw. Broncos steal it. They're still alive. And finally, Minnesota and Green Bay must win for both. And the purple deliver in primetime. Aaron Rodgers looks sad, defeated, and the Vikes give their beleaguered fans hope for now before they lose three of their last five and finish seventh in the conference. The last fr- bleh, last Monday of every month. What day is it? It's Monday. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes. Not available on Google Podcasts. Not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. This is 680 CJOB.